Welcome uh, to a special edition of Behind the Numbers. This is a uh, special episode. It's a baseball report episode. Uh, as you guys know, I have my football podcast, Behind the Numbers, doing my weekly updates and weekly hobby values for football. I am very invested and very uh, interested in baseball, so I do like to do my baseball rookie reports. And instead of coming out with an article this year, just doing a pure video this time, and a lot of really in in like great information to digest. Uh, it's been great to look over. It's been to see the pop reports, to see how that's affecting wax prices. Uh, are we in a junk slab area? All these questions are, are just great to just ask and have a conversation about. And to do that, I wanted to bring on one of my good friends. I would say uh, it's funny because I think social media kind of gets a bad rap, but I think in the hobby, it's been great for meeting people. And uh, my buddy Rob is now has his own flagship rookie card podcast. Him and I talk daily. We've never met in the flesh, but it's been a great hobby friendship. And uh, I'm excited to bring Rob onto the show and take a crack at this baseball report and just update everybody on what's going on in the baseball world. But how are you? I'm good, Tyson. How are you? Good. So Rob, just a little bit about his podcast. He is on episode 18 with 19 coming on Monday. Yep. Uh, his show is focused on uh, baseball numbers in terms of pop reports, values, rookie cards specific. Uh, but go ahead. You want to elaborate on your show just a little bit, Rob, and then we can get to the business. For sure. Yeah, that. I mean, you covered it well. It, it, I sort of try to quantify everything on that show. You know, every sort of little idea that the hobby has and every, you know, thing that the assumptions people make about about value and about where things are going and and just try to assign a number to almost everything. And uh, sometimes, it, you know, I take it a little bit too far. I've had some listeners tell me that uh, it's just half an hour of me spitting out numbers. <laughs> but uh, I do do my best. Recently as well, I've, I've had some really great feedback and trying to get things a little bit more uh, more verbal, less uh, robotic. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun show. And uh, like you said, we're covering, you know, rookie cards and what the market is doing and, and uh, how to best spend your money in this hobby basically definitely definitely and I, i'm i think maybe that's why i like your show so much being you know a math teacher and a math mind myself i don't mind the just pure numbers but yeah. it, when you're when you are reading it as i do it for my show you just feel so boring it's almost like my math teacher on the podcast and i'm trying to get that's away right. from that yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to enjoy myself so um but yeah so let's get to it so what we're going to do with the show today is that we are going to i updated i've done my three checkpoints for rookie card values i did preseason all-star break and now and we're going to put these up we're going to do the top five um then we're going to do six through ten all the way down to the uh, top 20 nice. um what i want to do is i want to look at the pop reports i want to talk about surprising values surprising uh, just what we see from this list and then i also just want to kind of just pay attention to uh 2018 and on and under 2018 because it seems like there is a little bit of movement in the pre-2018 cards, which is good for the, uh, we could say the market, because it means mm -hmm. showing there is some uh, value on scarcity. So I'm going to put this up here, and we are just going to get right to the first list. So here's the top five. So I'll just kind of read through the top five. We got Mike Trout, Pujols, Kershaw, Miguel Cabrera, and Max Scherzer. Um, not one player is later than 2011 on this list. Um, you can see the pop reports has the highest with Mike Trout and then gym rates see that Albert Pujols is at 11% gym rate. Um, when looking at this list, like kind of what stands out to you the most, Rob, when just looking at the top five. I mean, that Pujols 229 number is bonkers really. Like he's, I, I think, you know, the, the last part of his career 
has been kind of ugly a little bit. He's, he just sort of doesn't, he, you know, no one would look at that guy and, and think this is one of the greatest players of all time. But uh, numbers wise, he is, he really is. Like when, when he goes into the Hall of Fame and is, you know, guaranteed first ballot, he, he will be going in as as one of the, the greatest Hall of Famers yeah, in baseball history. And for right. there to be only 229 PSA 10s, uh, I mean, that's, 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 that's nuts, really. <laughs> that's nuts. And they're 11% gym rate. So yeah. if there's raws lying around, it's not a good shot they're going to gym either. No. And, and I mean, that's something to consider too. And so, you know, just forgetting, since we're doing the video format, we will have this out in podcast form. So we'll do the best to read the numbers. But right now we're displaying a slide with the top five values. Um, so let me just kind of run through the values real quick for the listeners that are not seeing the video. Uh, Mike Trout's 2850 right now. Uh, he's down from 4351 preseason, so that's quite the drop. I think that can be more market and obviously injury a little bit, but we can talk about the market part of it. Pujols, to, uh, 2625, he's down from 3500 preseason. Kershaw, 930. Didn't have him in my preseason list, but he's up 30 bucks from the All-Star break. Mikel Cabrera, 657. He's um, up from 472 at the All-Star break. I also forgot to include him in the preseason. And then Max Scherzer, 643. He was at 330 at the All-Star break. So that's interesting to talk about. Is that all market there going to the Dodgers? He just got a bunch of love real quick, or or was he just really low, too low to begin with? I think he must have been too low to begin with. I mean, nothing has changed really for him. He he already had his three Cy Youngs. He, I mean, he got his 3,000 strikeouts this year. So I can't remember exactly when that happened. It, it would have been later in the season. So that that may have been it, because um, right. I think he's at like three thousand twenty or something, like something very close to three thousand. So it may be the three thousand K mark, but I mean he was already, in my opinion, a first ballot Hall of Famer before right. he got traded. So I'm, I'm not sure, but that's a, a really interesting that he went so far against what the market was doing. Because since yeah. the All Star break, we've just been straight down. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think it is a combination. He was like underpriced. I think the Nationals are kind of reeling. Like nobody's really paying attention to him. Going to the Dodgers yeah. instantly, their guide, they're, they're going to ride to the playoffs. And he got all the, you know, he was the, I mean, he pitched a lot. Like he was. He did, yeah. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of numbers. Um, who do you like between Kershaw and Scherzer kind of long term? Because they're, you know, 643 for uh, Scherzer, 930 for Kershaw. Pops relatively close within about 200 cards. Uh, I just like for me, I'll just kind of start and you have the numbers part. That's why I love having you on the show. Yeah. Just seems like Kershaw hasn't been dominant for a long time. It yeah. seems like he's always been kind of hung up with injuries or they're just trying to use him the best way they can. He did have a, a phenomenal stretch, but it does seem like Scherzer has the longevity in my view from a non, just a pure fan standpoint. What do you, what is your take? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, it, it, I, I, Kershaw has to be my favorite pitcher to watch when, when you watch him, there's just something special going on. When, he, when he's pitching, but uh, like you said, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. And it just, you know, it seems like every year for the last five, even six years, he's just had something going on. And Scherzer just is a machine. Um, if you look at their their sort of Hall of Fame credentials, you know, Scherzer has uh, enough war to get in. He's got a peak war already to get in. Like this is, he's, these guys both already are in in that regard. Scherzer has 3,000 strikeouts. Kershaw doesn't. He's, he's only about 400 away. So, I mean, you'd think that he will, you know, eventually get there. But um, I, I would go with Scherzer here for sure. I mean, it's I, that $300 difference. It really has to be just a sentimental thing that people, you know, like Kershaw more. I mean, well, so right. you look at this, the pop. No, the pop, the pop report's almost identical as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely go with Scherzer. That, I, I, 
you know, if it closes, if the gap closes, maybe it closes the other way. Kershaw comes down, but mm -hmm. um, if it closes with uh, shares are going up, um, he's he has all the same credentials as as Clayton Kershaw does. Yeah, and maybe these recent sales with Scherzer. I mean, I'm not, I can't confirm that these are after him signing with the Mets, but the Mets market gets bumped. Lindor got a bump a yeah. little bit, even though he wasn't playing great, he got a bump. Yeah. Um, just going to the Mets, so that could be baked into why Scherzer's jumped a bit. Um, I think Kershaw might have a little bit of value too, Rob, just because he's been with the Dodgers the whole time, and so he's in that market the whole time. His rookie cards, that for jersey, sure. people, yeah, yeah. people like that aesthetically for sure. Yeah. Um, and of these five guys, Rob, and then if you want to maybe just give us a little bit of perspective from your show, I know you're big on targeting guys that are going to the Hall of Fame for value. Um, mm -hmm. All five of these guys, Hall of Famers in your mind, and maybe just kind of talk to us about your your angle with that within the hobby. All, all five of them for sure are Hall of Famers. The only guy that I would say it might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer is uh, is Miggy. Um, okay. and he's he's even he's really close. I mean, one thing I try to distinguish between on my show is is who is a, a first or second ballot Hall of Famer, and then who's a Hall of Famer. Because you know people get into the Hall of Fame who don't have the kind of statistic that do anything for us in the hobby. People like Harold Baines or Jack Morris, or you know they get they get sent in on a committee vote or. You know, even someone like Edgar Martinez, who's you know gets him on his tenth tenth vote. Right. Um, so I we on the show I really focus on just first ballot guys or or second or guys who should have been first ballot guys. Um, and I think Miggy right now has a lot of you know helium behind him, and I think the MVP or sorry the uh, Triple Crown award also really puts a lot of air behind him. Yeah. But if you're really just mathematical about it and 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 look at his numbers, he's really on the bubble. Um, for being a Hall of Famer. He's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. He has a few seasons left still, but he doesn't seem to be performing at a level that's going to add anything to the argument, Okay, um, in my opinion. The the other four guys, uh, uh, Kershaw and, and Scherzer, there, there are no pitchers who have won three uh, Cy Young Awards that are not in the Hall of Fame, except for Roger Clemens. Um, so that third Hall of... Uh, sorry, that third Cy Young Award is really like, that's your ticket in, uh, it yeah, seems yeah. to be. I think that's why DeGrom this year, you know, halfway through the year, his card prices were just, they were just rocketing up. The market right. was going down and he was going straight up. And it and it seemed like he was on pace for his third. Uh, and yeah. then when he got injured, it just completely dropped, right? It's like, right. He's not a different guy. Um, but the opportunity right. to win the third Cy Young disappeared. And he should get it if we can get that health back. We'll get to DeGrom on the next set. But last question of the top five before we move on to the six through 10 group is, you know, the Mike Trout conversation, he's always been the standard for the rookie cards. I think a lot of people, in my mind, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people, when they get that Soto or they get that Cunha, which isn't relative now, they're like, well, if he's the next Trout, man, it's this is a $3,000 card. And yeah, I, I, Trout's come down. He's down at twenty eight fifty, which I think is a little bit more reasonable. But I guess my question is, preseason is definitely the market was still kind of semi-peak, not even quite peak. It was a little, a little bit higher than that. And it's come down. He's come down almost 50%. Is this normal? And is this, is he, since he's first about Hall of Famer and the talent he brings, is he like priced appropriately in your mind? So I, I think I would have said yes. I mean, the, the drop to me is just market related. It seems like, you know, everywhere I look, it's about 50%. So Trout, Trout being down 50% is I, I wouldn't be scared of that part. Um, but I was doing a little bit of research for my show uh, based on some of the stuff that, that you had presented to me. And, and one of the things I, I found was, um, so Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, market cap. And so he, his 
uh, grading is a bit weird. He has hardly any tens and then a ton of eights and nines. But mm -hmm. if you add up all of them, eights, nines, and tens, his market cap is only 18, uh, 18 million. And I, and I think you said Mike Trout is 15? 15.8 million 15. for just for PSA million. 10s though, just for his PSA 10s, but yeah. Right. Um, so he's already, basically there's, there's as much money in Trout or almost as much money in Trout as there is in the top three Ken Griffey Jr. graded cards. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I wonder about like, a, <laughs> you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is, is one of the most beloved baseball players in history and right. Mike Trout isn't right. He's, he's from a number standpoint and, and whatever, he's clearly one of the greatest players who's ever lived, but he's sort of lacking in personalities. He doesn't, you know, he's not a guy that people flock to. So right. I just looking at the market cap, I, I wonder, I wonder about that, that number, um, it is an iconic card, but so is so is the Griffey. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I thought I had a strong opinion on that. I thought that it was a great price, um, but I am, I'm going to waffle a little bit. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think in my mind, like when I compare it to Soto, like Soto's PSA ten, and right now Soto's are a young version of the next big thing. I would say safely, yeah. based on his numbers and his consistent output. And his market caps at 2.9 million just for his PSA 10 base update. Yeah, I think that five times is a lot, but at the same time, for me, I think it's kind of the deciding factor is if we don't see peak Trout again, then yeah, I think it's overpriced. But mm. if he puts together like a next year, a finally a full season of health, and he puts up a Trout type season, then I think it's a 2850 is respectable. But that's the if, right? It's been I don't know, it's been three years since he's had a full healthy season. I think and that's I, right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think to me, that's the biggest concern is we just, we fell in love with prime trout, but we haven't seen prime trout for so long. So what do we really have here? Yeah. And I think that's me is what's going to answer that question. Mm. Awesome. All right. So going to six, I got a little fold there with the bets there, but um, you know, one thing I thought was interesting as we talk about six through 10, we have, what was it? Four pitchers and two catchers in the top 10, but I yeah. thought we're not supposed to collect pitchers and catchers, Rob. So what's up with that? <laughs> it's a great, yeah. I, um, it's a great question. I, I, I mean, so the catchers I think are special. We can maybe mm -hmm. talk about them separately. And then the pitchers, I mean, the thing with pitchers is they, is it's what we're talking about with Kershaw, right? I mean, he managed to put up the numbers, but then in the last five years of his career, he's just, you know, in a wheelchair half the time. Um, and that is relatively common, I would say, is that a pitcher, you know, gets an injury of some sort. I think uh, Kershaw's got a back problem, right? And, and it just, you know, imagine a pitcher with a back problem. Like, that's just not a good thing. Right. Um, and the other thing about pitchers is that they come up late. They, they tend to come up late. Right. So you know, someone like um, Shane Bieber, for example, I, I think he came up when he was 24, 25, um, and so if he doesn't get going immediately, which usually pitchers don't, you know, usually pitchers take a couple of years to get going, like, like Corbin Burns, you know, right mm -hmm. now. Um, so they, they often will come up late and then lose their first two years just being sort of mediocre and then figure something out and then be amazing. And so the amount of time that they have to put up the numbers to, to you know, to build a floor big enough to get into the Hall of Fame, I think is is troublesome. And and that's the problem. I, I can't remember when these guys came up, but I, I believe that that all three of those guys came up relatively early. Yeah. Um, and then DeGrom, DeGrom actually doesn't have anywhere near the kind of um, like total numbers of a Hall of Fame pitcher, but his 
his court, like his peak numbers are like, honestly some of the yeah. best in history. He, I, right. I did a, a thing on the show once with comparing him to um, Sandy Koufax and he, he came out on top. Wow. So yeah, it's, I listened uh, to that episode. That was, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing I noticed with these four pitchers besides DeGrom, but Verlander, Scherzer, and Kershaw have all been locked in ones, no doubters for a solid chunk of time. I know Kershaw yeah. has had injuries, but Verlander has been an ace forever. Like he, totally. yeah. and so I think that that just, that kind of stuff matters. And then Verlander's also been in pretty good markets like Detroit, you know, to Houston, like yeah. Houston's not like an awesome market because of, you know, trash can gate and all that stuff. But I still think that he's been always in competitive teams and that, that also matters. I think. Um, yeah. but I just think it's just funny when you always hear the no catchers, no pitchers, and we're looking yeah. at the top 10 and we got six, 60% is catchers and pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> I think Posey's jumped up because of his retirement. Um, I think people want to get some of his cards because he's had a really respectable catching career. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Yachty's just been, I think he's, I think he's kind of a beloved player. I mean, he's not, he hasn't been an amazing hitter. He's been a solid hitter, but a great defensive guy and just a great leader for the Cardinals. And I think he's more of a face of a franchise type guy that people just, you know, I don't think he's going to be a first ballot or anything, is he? Well, uh, this was another thing I've sort of uncovered recently is I, I was trying to look at, you know, whether MVP MVPs matter and, and things like that. And, and from my research, they don't. But uh, what I did find is that the number of silver slugger and gold glove awards that Hall of Fame uh, hitters have is significantly higher than a normal player. Um, and then in particular, the guys who tend to be on the bubble, the guys who don't have the, the stats to necessarily get in without a bump, um, those guys have even higher amounts of uh, silver sluggers and gold gloss. And Yadi has eight uh, combos between them. We, they call them the silver wow. and gold club, um, which is huge. Like uh, uh, it's an enormous number. Um, so, and that means, you know, that eight times in his career, he was either the best defensive or best offensive catcher in the National League. Um, so when I, I, I was sort of doubtful about, about him as well. But when I saw that number, I thought, well, that kind of changes this argument a little bit. You know, yeah. the Hall of Fame is all about how good you were against your peers in that time. Yeah. Right. And he's got yeah. eight awards that say he was the best at something. Um, right during his career. So I, I think he actually could be a, a first ballot hall of famer. I, I don't think Buster Posey will be. He okay. doesn't, he doesn't really have, he, he just has the love, you know, he's just such a, a good guy. And right. He's been on the giants his whole career. And um, I, I think I read something at one point where some hall of fame uh, uh, guy with a ballot was saying that this is everyone's favorite catcher right now. Right. Um, and so when the time comes to tick that box, it'll get ticked. So yeah. But numbers-wise, he doesn't have it. One thing that I thought was pretty interesting with Posey is he set out the COVID year, mm. and then he came back. He was really good this year. It's amazing. <laughs> he was amazing this year. So, like, to me, that was pretty dang impressive to sit out a year and come back and be – I mean, fantasy-wise, I know because I had him. He was, he was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go through the values here again for the listeners that aren't seeing our uh, grid here. So, Yachty's right now is 517 for his PSA 10. Verlander's 332. DeGrom's down to 280. He was at 450 preseason. As you talked about, his build was up to 675 for All-Star break, down to 280. So he's had quite the roller coaster this year. Buster Posey up to 268. Mookie, uh, 250. And that's just so crazy to see his 840 preseason sale. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mookie's very interesting topic. Speaking of that, let's just talk about Mookie for a second. How do you yeah. feel about Mookie long-term? What are your, where, where do we go with Mookie? 
so like I I feel like I have a Mookie bias, and I and I I wonder how many people have it too. In my head, he is always injured. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his stats, he's not always injured. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know why I think that. Um, he's his numbers are crazy. I mean, he's like he's absolutely on the path to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He he has had a few little injury bugs here and there. Um, but he's he's not a guy who's missed a lot of games or anything like that. I, so he's a guy that confuses me because I can't seem to get over my own bias on it. And I and I wonder if a lot of the hobby also thinks that that he's just a little bit frail. It might, mm-hmm. Maybe because his size. Maybe I don't know what it is about him, but yeah. you know, he just looks like a little skinny guy <laughs> yeah. in a sport full of monsters right now. Um, so. I don't know. I mean, that that price seems amazing. Like I, I remember at the beginning of the season, everybody was was falling over themselves for Mookie rookies. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. And people are paying up for those too. Like everyone yeah, totally. get every raw chance they can. Yeah. Um, I, I I worry a little bit about him just in the sense that when you put that kind of money into a guy, hmm. and they still go out and make a trade for Trey Turner, Bellinger dropped off. It just doesn't seem like is is he the guy? Because to me, if he's not the guy, then he can't. We can't ever see that eight forty again. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the problem I have right now. I just don't think he, uh, at least this last year, and this is just one year, I just didn't think he performed as a, you know, a top five, you know, he was a top five fantasy pick. I don't think he performed that way. And if he can't put up those type of numbers, then I think that right around he's, where he's at right now is probably where he's going to be. And he's kind of where he's at right now because his pop's only 3,000 still. So yeah. <clears throat> he still has pretty good scarcity. Yeah. Um, speaking of those pop numbers, the top 10, so nice tidbit for the listeners here. The top 10 all added up are 16,703 cards that are PSA 10 for the top 10, which is not bigger than Acuna, Tatis, or Soto by themselves. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's if, you're, if you're wondering why we haven't seen a 2018 player yet, this is why. Um, the scarcity is just not there, and the scarcity is here. And I'm, when I look at Yachty's numbers here, hit 263, there's probably a lot of Yachty's in people's shoeboxes somewhere that they yeah. – <laughs> forgot about so when you can see the 29 percent gem rate he wasn't stored away safely so uh check, check your check your boxes for yadier molina rookies out 2004 tops that's a very cool card too you showed me that card last week it's an yeah amazing card very cool card definitely uh yeah that's good for six through ten do you have anything else that you want to comment on this uh group there rob no i mean i think no we can move on let's we move on all right we covered it yeah all right, so we got next one, 11 through 15 here. So now we start to see some of those uh, after 2018 guys. First off is Vlad with his 2019 series. Remember, we do the no number for this list, as I view that as his real rookie card. Um, right now, that's at 220. Freddie Freeman's moved up, obviously, after his great uh, World Series and playoff run. Uh, his 2011 tops is 215. Bryce Harper, I want to talk about him quite a bit because I think he's an interesting price. His 2012 update's 170. Juan Soto's at 157. And Otani's down to 130. Um, with this group, it's a very polarizing group. I feel like you have Harper, Soto, Otani, and Vlad—four guys that just people want all over the place, right? And yeah. let's talk about Otani first, Rob. Like, why okay. he won MVP? Why is he? Why do he go from 220 to 130? What I do think, you think? Uh, that's a great question. I uh, I'm not sure. I have an answer for that. I I. I he is a weird one. He's so polarizing. Um, maybe, maybe he just, you know, shot up too fast, too high. Maybe, maybe that yeah. that distance from, you know, the forty-five dollar preseason price to two twenty. Yeah. Um, 
was just too much and you know people started taking profits i that's a tough one he he is such a hard player to to understand in terms of baseball cards it's really uh really crazy yeah. what, what do you think um i have a couple takes on it i think yeah the 45 was insane he was at rock bottom so then we overcorrected to 220 and kind of maybe settle i think 130 is a bit low mm -hmm. i think that otani has the most risk of all these guys because he's only had one healthy season and yeah. so that healthy season was amazing but it's just one and mm -hmm. so he's the most volatile in terms of like he could really fall off the other thing i think that people maybe don't like or why his you know he's only have a pop of uh 5555 which is respectable but he has a lot of rookie cards. He's got a series two rookie. He's got an update rookie. Like he's got two different chromes. His rookies are all over the map in 2018. And yeah. I think that that kind of also kind of suppresses the value a bit because they're all to have his rookie. They're not debuts in one and rookies in other. They're called all rookies. So I think yeah. that kind of hurts it a bit too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do think the one interesting point about him is I, I think that, you know, when we're looking at Soto or Carrera or whatever, you know, we, we need these guys to perform for 15 years um, in order to, to, you know, to be long-term buys. Um, yeah. I think if Shohei Otani does what he did in 2021 for like three more years, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's like he, we, we only need that guy to, to, to be good for, he has to be really good. I mean, he has to be good at a level that no one's ever done before, but um, for only three years. So I, I have a feeling that, you know, was one of the things that led to the big price jump was people realizing that this is totally unprecedented what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I like I've been trying to get a, some Otani cards for a long time. And the price has just always been too high and finally yeah. landed a few last week. And but I'm I'm done. Like, I don't I don't want to put any more into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm know, so nervous about it. Scares it too. Me, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I sold one too early that I don't want to talk about. But yeah, yeah. it's it, it's definitely a t he's just a tough guy to invest in because you just don't know when the bomb's gonna fall out for sure exactly yeah. um I, we'll just go over this quickly because i know that you feel this way but i think vlad's no number rookie card is going to be one of the more stable modern cards because it's not an sp it's not a base card though and you can see that even though the pop is uh, 4100 it's you know that's not that high compared to everybody else around him no. so uh i think vlad's rookie card is going to be a pretty stable one do you agree 100 percent. yeah that that's my number one target uh since the season's been uh, stopped, especially been grabbing as many PSA nines as I can get. Right. And then I know Bryce Harper is such an interesting case. Uh, his pops low. He's, you know, an MVP, a player, you know, like he's 2000, like he's shown MVP style and, and stats and he does all the things right in terms of that, uh, in that realm, trying to get this out here. Yeah. Um, but he's only 170 and his pops low. So yeah. it's kind of weird to see him only $13 above Soto, but he's done a lot more than Soto, I guess, other than win a championship. But what, uh, what what's Harper's value in your mind? Do you think that's too low? Do you think he's priced right? How do you feel about Harper? So I, I, I took a big L on this one because I, for three or four episodes, I mentioned him as a great buy and, you know, continued to do research and stuff like that. And he's always like numbers wise, just on the bubble. If you if you project forward, he's just on the edge of sort of Hall of Fame numbers. He's not quite there yet. You know, you'd think if he puts together a couple great seasons, he might make it into it. But um, but he's not there yet. And the MVP, you know, seemed to make a big splash. But the the thing that I found in doing this this recent Silver Slugger Gold Glove thing was um, like there are there are zero guys in the Hall of Fame um, with less than I think it's. Uh, 
can't remember what the number is like two, two or three, but you know, the guys, the guys in the low point are people like Chipper Jones or um, Jim Tomey, like first ballot hall of famers with 500 homers and you know, all the numbers that, that, that they need. So like, they didn't need those, those guys, but in terms of where Harper is going to be, he is, uh, he's competing with, with guys who have a combination of like between eight and 10 and even 12 silver slugger and gold gloves between them. Uh, if I remember correctly, Bryce Harper has one. Mm-hmm. So he is not going to have w- what he needs, in my opinion, to get in if he doesn't get the numbers. Right. Um, on a first ballot. You know, I, I think that eventually someone puts Bryce Harper into the Hall of Fame, um, but maybe it's on the eighth, ninth, tenth ballot or a committee vote or something like that. Um, but ultimately, I've changed my tune on on that, and I hope t- not too many of my listeners listen to my first advice in buying him. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually think that he's a little bit overpriced uh, at this price. I I, I I bought some. I did listen to my own advice, um, and and I will be selling as soon as I can uh, okay. in in the when the season starts. What about like Freddie? Just real quick, because he's jumped up. Is this just a hype jump? Do you think he's or you think two fifteen is pretty solid for what he's done? I mean, his pop's only a thousand, so. I, 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 he's sort of the same. I, he, he's, he's on the edge of, of a hall of fame, uh, uh, entry. I think he might be another one of these players like you were talking about with Kershaw, um, where, you know, every Braves fan has to have a, a, a Freddie card, yeah. uh, or a few. And, and I would almost, I hadn't thought of this till right now, but I, I wonder if, if Freddie, you know, signs with the Jays or something like that, if his cards drop, right. You know, if, uh, if the opposite of what normally happens happens, um, right. because he's no longer brave so i i would also say that that one is a little bit i mean with the population so low it's hard to say that that's overpriced but um it's not something that i would be searching for yeah what, what well, do you I, think of those guys i i like freeman it's just like he's just a stable guy like he's i don't think he's gonna ever blow the prices out of the water but i think kind of right in that 150 to 200 hundred dollar range is going to be safe for him just because he's a very likable guy too he has a you know He's he has the stuff like that those shows about his kids and yeah. he's more than just a baseball player so I think that does matter too. Yeah. Um, but I, I like Freddie Freeman. I have a PSA nine and I'm happy just to keep that like just yeah. for, you know, just because I think he's a great guy. Um, the one other thing I want to point out before we go on the next one though is Vlad. If you look, he's at a fifty percent gym rate, so that means there's just about just over eight thousand cards submitted. Yeah, that's really low for what's been submitted because soto's at 67 percent gym rate so we're talking over thirty thousand cards of soto been submitted so you're talking about a, a quarter of the cards of for vlad versus soto and i remember the vlad cards they all had like a lot of them had a rough corner that same top right corner for vlad had a little bit of white you know witting on it um so i think that's going to help his rookie cards again so again i think vlad's a great buy i'm with you 100 on that i just and he's in a great place you know those he's kind of has that he could have that kind of griffy style right that dad that was really good that you got the you know they kind of followed in footsteps i think that uh, vlad definitely is a good buy right now for sure yeah the team is looking great too now you know the, i yeah. i think we'll see them in the playoffs in the next little while it's uh yeah he's i i don't i mean his prices are you know higher than the other guys but the population sort of accounts for that but it should be higher in my opinion. That's uh, I, yeah, I, I can't stop buying him. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Anything else on this last set, Rob? Are you good to go? Good to go. All right. Perfect. Making good time here. All right. So then we get into the Tatis and Acuna um, a list of 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 here. So Tatis is at 119 right now. Acuna is at 114. Rizzo at 110. Altuve at 105. And Turner at 101. Um, 
in terms of Tatis, he was 265 preseason, so he's down over 50% to 119. Acuna yeah. was 215. He's down to 115, so just a little bit under 50% drop for him. Let's talk about the big two, uh, Acuna, Tatis. Um, I know you have pretty strong opinions on Tatis. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how you feel about Acuna, but we'll just go ahead and give me your uh, overall collecting take on Tatis and Acuna. So, I mean, the price on Tatis is bizarre. I have to say, I, I don't understand the, the drop to that level. I, I, I wonder if it's because he chose not to have surgery on uh, mm. his shoulder. Um, and I, I have a friend who's also a collector, and, and he was saying that, you know, things like that, where surgery is possible, those are the injuries that are good. And the, uh, if a player chooses to have it and then take care of the injury, then then that's a real positive. So it's hard for me to believe that the... The rest of the hobby understands that, but, <laughs> but yeah. maybe they do. <laughs> right. Um, but that price seems seems crazy. I mean, I, 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 for me, I mean, my take on Tetis has always just been that he's he's just not going to stay on the field. Um, I think when he's on the field, you know, he's really one of the, you know, one of the best hitters, one of the best players overall to watch. He's he's amazing. You know, right. I, I have nothing against Fernando Tetis. It's just from a card standpoint, being a little bit more, you know, methodical and emotions aside. I think he's a, a terrible investment. Um, he just he, he's never been healthy. Like it's not even a new thing. He's had right. so many injuries. It's it's just crazy. So right. that price to me at, at one nineteen is is an amazing opportunity. I would say to be honest, because a short term opportunity because I, you know he's going to do crazy things. He's going right. to hit fifty home runs and steal forty five fifty bases one year. You know he's there, there will be seasons where he 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 looks like he might be the greatest player in history mm -hmm. um, i just don't think it's going to last right um so he's definitely polarizing <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't own us oh sorry i have one uh one tatis card yeah um, uh, acuna is is the is the other really tough one i he with this knee injury so i i did a, a an episode about or that that uh, had a segment about the acl uh injuries with baseball players and the, the thing is is that the next year is supposed to be um, relatively mediocre compared to his normal, to to the player's normal situation. So right. you you can you sh we should actually be expecting twenty twenty two to be a down year for Acuna, and I would say that not enough has come off that price for that expectation. Um, so I I love Acuna. I think he's you know him and Soto are the sort of uh, and uh, Vladdy of course. The, those are the top three for me. Those are the guys that are gonna um, you know really really be the special guys from this group but i think the buying opportunity is not here yet i think i think we're gonna see some trouble from him uh in 2022 um and that's when the buying opportunity will come but yep. uh at, at you know it's not even 50 percent off what his preseason price was and almost right. everybody else is so it was kind of interesting it was huge it was, it was kind of interesting too because a lot of people are like oh well he dropped from you know 215 to 115 because he's injured not really he got injured he was only going for about 130 mm -hmm. and then it just he so he's actually kind of just stayed he didn't really go that much down with his injury so his injury is oh. not really affecting his price much um again he's a huge pop guy he's almost a 20,000 yeah. he's well over 30,000 cards submitted um so that's always going to cap his ceiling for sure yeah. and then like you said the worry next year if he is mediocre that will probably creep closer to 100 if not under 100 bucks i'd imagine I think so too. Yeah, I'll be a buyer at that point. Like it's, yeah. uh, um, I, I think I think you'll see it at eighty bucks, you know, at some point. Yeah. When it, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, I, I hope he comes back and is, is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah. He's yeah.
just a blast. He he's one of these guys too that just corrected it, that did like the thing that baseball players aren't supposed to be able to do, which is that he suddenly found plate discipline. You know, he was sort of a swing and miss guy uh, in the minors and in his first two years, and then in his in 2020 and in 2021, he just suddenly found the strike zone, and you know that's so so rare. Yeah. So I, I think the talent level with that guy is just off the charts. Right. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, let's talk about these last three guys, uh, Rizzo, Altuve, and Turner. Uh, of those three, any of them have a Hall of Fame chance, and do you like any of those three at all within the hobby? Uh, no, I mean, Altuve is the closest, but um, I'd made some uh, – oh, yeah, he's he's a guy who doesn't have any silver and gold. If, if mm. he he's, – he's got a few silver sluggers, but he's only got one gold glove. Um for uh he's second base right for a second yeah. baseman to to not have a bunch of gold gloves you know i i haven't looked this up but I, i'm gonna guess that the, the that the second baseman in the hall of fame all have tons of hardware in that department yeah. he's got one so uh being on the edge statistics wise and then not having that extra little thing to push him over plus the you know the little whiff of cheating i would say he's a he's a long shot um mm -hmm. at best and the other two I mean, in my opinion, really have, in terms of first, first or second ballot, early ballot, uh, no chance. Um, yeah. Trey trade Turner's uh, injured all the time. He's he's another guy like Tatis that you know, if he could play a full season, the numbers that he would put up would be just ridiculous. Right. Um, but he can't seem to do it. Um, he also uh, started quite late. I think he was 26 in his uh, his rookie season. Uh, yeah, he has right. he has uh, zero silver sluggers and zero gold gloves as well. So for a shortstop to, to go into the Hall of Fame with zero gold gloves, I think is also uh, unlikely. Um, and then, yeah, sorry, so it's where these guys' ages right now, and if this is, you know, we're taking from what you're saying about their Hall of Fame chances, um, this might be like selling then because I just don't think they're going to go anywhere. Yeah. Rizzo hasn't been good for two or three years now um, in terms of statistically. And then Trey Turner's in a good market now. He could have a really nice season if he stays healthy. I could see it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, long term, I think that these three guys are pretty close to their cap for sure. Definitely, the the population of the Trey Turner though, 175. I mean, he's a guy that Weird. could could put up, you know, 30 30 season for example, or mm -hmm. win a batting title, or steal 60 bases, or do something crazy. Um, and at that pop uh, level, you know, that card would skyrocket. I think if he did right. that. So that it's a kind yeah. of an interesting uh flyer if you wanted to take one. Oh, definitely i think of the three definitely trey turner would be my my long shot for sure yeah awesome all right and let's go ahead and just move to rob here let's talk about these kind of appalling numbers i put these on my twitter <laughs> account uh i got the slide thing in the way a little bit here but let's see if i can whoops all right bring it back all right well i can still see it i'll just kind of read it so this is what I did was I went through every year from 2011, 2020, because that's where all of our rookie cards are from, except for I didn't get the tops traded. Those are a little bit outside of the scope. Um, and I just wanted to figure out how many cards have been graded in those sets. And you can see it's gradually increased as you'd expect. Um, if we go to like 2011 update with trout, 27,000, almost 28,000 cards have been graded. If we look at just right below there, 2018, 117,000 cards have been graded. So how do we take this information, Rob, and actually, I don't know, protect our investments or protect our cards or 
I don't know what the question is in, in that realm, but how do we use data like this to make sure we understand what we're trying to collect? I, I have been wrestling with it since you, you, you sent this to me and it's really hard to understand, to be honest, exactly what it is we're looking at. You know, you look at tops update from 2020 and there's 2,600 cards graded. Right. Um, if you look back, I, I like to look back at the Griffey card because it's sort of like, you know, this is the king of the, the sort of junk wax junk era. Wax. Um, and, you know, what happened there and, and the number of cards subbed from that set is way higher than anything here. Mm -hmm. um, and those cards, uh, when the population is around four or 5,000, they, they have value, right? Um, so I, and they have like solid value, you know, Chipper Jones and, and Derek Jeter and all those guys, it, th these are not inexpensive cards. So I, I wonder if we're maybe making a little bit too much of this in that, like, basically what we're looking at is people being less disciplined mm -hmm. than, than we, than they used to be. So, you know, I think we were looking at like 2020, for example, and, and, you know, so many Kyle Lewis and, um, yeah. Gavin Lux and all these players that, that, you know, really, you know, don't really have a chance of, of building any kind of serious long-term floor where graded right. like huge numbers, right? 20,000 cards yeah. graded of those guys. Um, and I think, you know, there's obviously print runs have, have gone up. That's clear. I think I think the Chrome column is the most telling in that regard yeah. of, of what's happened with uh, with print runs. Um, right. But I I wonder if you know there are more Griffies being subbed every month than there are Sotos right now, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about, right? Griffies from 1989, Sotos from 2018. Mm -hmm. So. Um, People will 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 just sub everything they can of a player that they like. Nothing will stop them. <laughs> right. Um, except for prices, so, yeah. <laughs> except for yeah, except for when PSA closes. But um, I, so, like I said, I don't, I don't. It's really hard to process this information and make a conclusion. Uh, I I have been trying to to do that w on my show, and I've been trying to work out what it is exactly I want to say, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, like I, I said to you uh, when we were chatting uh, yesterday, I, I think the the big interesting question is not so much the the big number here, so much as what you were saying while we were going through the other cards, which is that the number of PSA tens that Soto Acuna, uh, Tatis, all those guys have is like four or five times what the previous generation of Hall of Famers have. Right. Um, and that is, I think that should worry people a little bit, right? Um, because a Griffey ten goes for two thousand bucks. Yeah, right. There's a, there's about four thousand of those, um, and so there's five times as many Sotos. So where like where are we going? You know, yeah, he's he's one hundred and fifty bucks right now. You know, if you if you just obviously the math doesn't work that way, but if you just did the math, then Sotos in thirty years will be worth four or five hundred bucks. Right. And you'd be better off just putting your money in the stock market and forgetting about it for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So. I kind of have a couple takes. So, I mean, just so that the listeners here aren't seeing the video format, just a couple big numbers here. So tops 2020, so that's series one and series two, is 135,000 cards submitted. Uh, tops updates, 100, almost 117,000 submitted. 
tops update 2011 with trout like i said almost 28,000. you look at 2014 update so that would be mookie and degrom that's 16,000. um you look at 2019 series uh two and one so that you know series one didn't have much but series two and one combined 84,000. so i think to me i think we can all agree there's been more print i think that's yeah. pretty easy to say there's also more parallels so each player as they've gotten older has more different types of rookie cards. So no matter what happens there, that's going to suppress things in terms of value. That's just, just natural. But the other thing I think that comes into play in my mind is it seems to me right around 2017, 2018 is when a lot of people came back. And then when they come back and then all these people that have been here, they've been, been grading and they see these guys, whoa, that Bellinger's $300. Okay, I'm going to sub that. And so then we have all this mass subbing for the last three years yeah. since 2018. And who are they going to sub? Of course, they're going to sub Acuna, Soto, and Otani. And of course, they're going to sub Tatis. And so that's why those numbers, I think just everybody was trying to make a lot of money. And now we have all these uh, card values. Because I mean, 2020 to me is the perfect example of, you, like you said, people subbing everything and trying to make two, $300 a card. I mean, both Bo Bichette, who had a phenomenal season, PSA 10 is like 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, and like 2020, that's a lot of junk wax or sorry, junk slab era discussion there. Because yep. to me, there's not very many of those 2020 cards are submitted that are worth the plastic that they're in. No. And so now that to me, now we're coming. I, so to me, it's more of a junk slab versus junk wax era thing. Because I think yeah. as long as we have enough people in the hobby to sustain the number of rookie cards, we're okay. But if the hobby gets smaller, then the rookie cards are going to plummet because we don't, not people don't want them anymore. <laughs> Yeah, And so to me, that's kind of my take on how the numbers get bigger and maybe how we can kind of navigate through that a bit. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I think I think what, what you just said about, you know, the, the size of the hobby, I think that's really the, the, the core thing. And I, and I do think that, you know, if we shrink even a tiniest little bit, you know, those yeah. Bichette, um, you know, Luis, Robert, Gavin Lux, Kyle Lewis, like, like they go to zero, like... You know, they're just like you'd have to pay to get rid of them at, at that point because they're, they're just already so 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 low. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 somewhat scary. I mean, I I sort of tend to try to stay away from from paper cards with big populations, just generally speaking, anyway. But yep. um, I I think that it'll be quite bad for the hobby if uh, if the amount of people participating in it shrink in, in it, obviously it would be bad in any environment but in this environment in particular it would be terrible definitely yeah. i think basketball would be a really big kind of case study for baseball baseball's always kind of had i think in my view of the hobby this is just my view baseball's had a bigger calling a bigger group of people they're consistently baseball because baseball's got the tradition it's got the, yeah. the longevity of baseball cards basketball had the quick hit right the mm -hmm the Zions, the Jaws, and everybody's great and everything, making a lot of money. And like, are those quick flipping idea guys trying that are making money in basketball? Are they going to stay there? And if yeah. they don't, we see the pop reports for prison right now where Zion's one of the most graded cards or how far are those going to fall? So I think basketball will be a really good case study for baseball fans in terms of what's happening with the basketball card values. Yeah. Um, a couple of quick wax prices and some closing questions and we'll get out of here if that's good with you, Rob. For sure. Um, so 2011 tops update wax. So I think it's also good to see wax prices, um, is $7,000, uh, for a wax, uh, of 2011 update. That's trouts here. That's kind of interesting to think about because you're not guaranteed a trout gym. Um, 
So you're hoping for a trout parallel maybe to make your money, but that wax is really expensive. Yeah. Um, 18 updates, still pulling $800 a box, even with the pop reports it's pulling. Yeah. Uh, 2019 Series 2, still respectable for 400 And the last two I was going to comment on, 2008 tops updates and highlights. So that's Scherzer and Kershaw's year is $800 a box. I think it's actually a pretty good deal. Yeah, and 2014 tops update is $800. Um, that is uh, DeGrom and Mookie's year. So okay. uh, talking about those wax prices a little bit, like how do you feel about wax? If things are, to me, when you think about 90s, you know, you think about Junk's Wax era, 90s boxes of cards are 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. Like, uh, do you think we're ever going to... Is that ever going to happen here, or do you think that we're a little more protected? I think we're more protected because of the the lottery card that's in that might be in every box, right? Is is you know, I, I think somebody posted recently that the that the um, uh, Juan Soto Superfractor, the, the Chrome Superfractor Auto, still hasn't been found. So oh, it's wow. like you know, you're you're buying Chrome boxes. You you could literally have a a million dollar card sitting in one of those boxes, right? Um, so I, I think that's a big difference, right? Whereas, you know, you open 89 uh, upper deck and you might get four Griffies, all of them off center, uh, <laughs> completely worthless. <laughs> and there's, there's nothing else in there, right? I think they had some sort of Ted Williams or, uh, yeah, I think it was Ted Williams thing in there that, that you could win, but it, it's incredibly rare. But, you know, right. you might, the, the, I think that the parallel thing that they did um, and the numbered cards and the colors and all that stuff is really whoever figured that stuff out is a genius. You know that right. I think that changed the hobby, and I think yep. that keep that will keep the the box prices relatively stable. I I, I think wax is an amazing investment um, in terms of buying it myself. I mean, I watched your your break the other night with the the uh, 2018 hobby box, and I was just like, this is. <laughs> This is terrible, you know. Like, yeah, it's it was frightening, really, that 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 the box could go for the price it does, and and what you get out of it is, <clears throat> you know, four four great base cards, right? Uh, so, yeah, to me, that's yeah. kind of that's a, I, I, to be honest, you know, the reason I did sell that was for some holiday funds, one, mm -hmm. but then for two, just I just I worry about that eighteen update, one hundred thirty five thousand cards submitted, yeah, like. Is it going to, you know, is it going to stay right about there for a long time? Because let's just, you know, knock on wood here. But if Soto has an injury or Soto yeah. falls off a bit, Acuna's already got a, you know, torn up knee. We already know what happened to Gliber. Otani could, his UCL could go out. I mean, just it's very volatile group as well with the high yeah. pop. Just a lot of risk on that wax and was my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like 2011 wax, that'd be great to hold that long term. Definitely. You know, yeah. to keep that. So, um couple of just kind of questions. We kind of talked about this one already a little bit, but like junk slab versus junk wax. So I think those terms are used as one and the same, but they're not. I think no. people need to understand that junk wax is basically it's worthless to open these cards. They're not worth much. You have no chance. Um, but junk slab is all these slabs that aren't worth the plastic they're in. And I think to me, we are in a junk wax or junk slab era of you know 2020 graded cards you know all the ones we talked about yeah and i just think that there's a big difference and i think that our as collectors we just have to be more mindful of what we're subbing yeah. to still have fun in the hobby uh kind yeah. of what's your take i agree 100 i mean i i yeah i i sent in i have three uh, subs at psa right now all sent in early last year and uh i got a little pop-up 
the other day saying that one was almost ready and I looked through the cards and I was just like, what, <laughs> what did you do early 2021, Rob Kent? <laughs> you know, it was just, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think one of the interesting things is that it feels to me like the hobby is coming around to understanding what you just said, that, that you shouldn't be subbing every card that could be subbed. Um, but I think we're probably like a full year of people getting those subs back of a Rosarania base cards and, you know, whatever. And so, and people are going to keep trying to sell those cards. Obviously I'm going to try to sell mine when they come, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, we're, I, I wonder if we can get through that 12 months of, I'm not so much worried about the, the, the market sort of being oversaturated by stuff. It's, it's more just like, can, people mentally just say to themselves, look, I made a mistake, but now I understand and I'm going to do something different. Or are they going to say, you know, F this, this hobby right. sucks. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm just liquidating my stuff and getting out of here. I think there'll be some people with the ladder, what you said there for sure, because yeah. you know, we'll let's talk about Luis Robert, Luis Robert's first couple PSA 10 rookie cards. The papers were two fifty to $300. Yeah. And now they're 40, 35. And yeah he actually played decent when he came back. Yeah. And so I just think that that's going to frustrate people seeing that type of, you know, craziness in terms of pop and all those things. Um, but I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I think that as PSA catches up and all those things happen and they raise prices of grading, I think it's going to make, make it harder on people to just sub everything and hope to get a hundred dollars off every card that's a 10, which isn't realistic anymore. Yeah. Um, to me, I kind of ran through this in my head getting ready for the show. It seems like we kind of went through like these this phase in the hobby over the last, you know, seven, eight years. Like the first phase was getting awesome raw cards that you sold at peak price because they were great cards to grading base cards and those rookie cards and making three to four X because they're graded on that card to now it's not that simple. It's got to be get a nice raw card, check the pop, evaluate the card and sub it selectively to make yeah. sure that you can maximize your profit. The process has just gotten so more detailed that like us giving you guys these numbers right now, of pop reports is we're trying to help you collect better. And I think yeah. that that's where everybody's starting to understand is that we have to do that. And the pop reports are even a little bit blurry, Rob, because we have seven grading companies now popping out cards. That's and nice. so, I mean, I know they're not close to PSA's volume, but that's still a little chunk of cards somewhere else that we have to account for. Yeah. So that's a great definitely. point. Yeah. It's, it's much worse than this. <laughs> yes. And to kind of segue into that, um, kind of one of our final questions here is how will grading be going for once PSA like opens in your mind? And like, and I mean, what I mean by that is, in terms of price, in terms of the volume they're going to receive, and then also the other grading companies also operating uh, within them. Like, how do you kind of see grading going forward? I think that's the million dollar question. It's really, it's so hard to say. I, you know, I, I think people expected a bigger drop with PSA closing and it didn't really happen. I think, right. you know, it's, it's been a nice, slow sort of steady drop. And I think people expect it just like a complete collapse of the market. Um, I, I, I'm wondering, like, are people just sort of continually accumulating cards? Is there, are, are, do people have these gigantic stacks at home just waiting for PSA to, to open up? Um, it's so hard to, to, to even you know, speculate on what's going on. I, I do think that SGC has made enough headway uh, already. And, you know, they still have 
three, four, maybe six months still to go, where they will be the number two grading company, uh, even when uh, PSA and BGS opens up. I think BGS has really shot themselves in the foot. Um, yeah, and they missed the opportunity for sure. <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. And I think they pissed everybody off. And, and <laughs> yeah, SGC has has become really beloved, I think, by by people. And um, I read something the other day. They were saying, you know, that once you st once mo people start with one grading company, they tend to stay with them. And so over, you know, the last uh, however long it's been now, a year I guess, or eight months, you know, people have subbed with SGC, and they're going to keep subbing with SGC. Right. Um, so I saw my I think, first sub coming out too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the, the gap between S, SGC and PSA will, will shrink. It's about 65, 70% right now. Um, I think we could easily see it up to around 80, even 85%. I don't think they'll ever be completely aligned, but um, I think that's, uh, that's where the opportunity is for grading right now. In terms of PSA, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I read something new every week. Nat Turner was on a, a show a couple of weeks ago and he said he, his goal is to get grading down to $10 a slab. It's just like, how, how many people are you going to have working there? <laughs> you know, like... Are going to be like a, like the door shuts at a certain amount. They're always going to be full, you know, nobody's yeah. going to slide in. Like what's going to happen. Are you going to get another million plus backlog again? Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. That, that sounds a little bit scary to me too. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? What's your, what's your take on this? I don't, I, I don't just think that to me i think that it got into i think ty said this really well on his show that people basically graded cards through psa was printing money they yeah. just threw cards into psa they came back they're worth at least a hundred dollars maybe more and they sold them happy as clams only 20 bucks to to sub and that's changed and so yeah. to me i think that there's going to be a kind of a divide of the I, I hate to say flipping but the the selling only piece is not going to be as clear and I think that SGC is going to be a good option. I think that people like for me, I have no problem putting a PC card in an HGA slab or a C, like I, I, CSG. I don't like too much, but SGC, like a lot of the cards I'm selling them is PC because I just want to see what they look like first. And I might sell them, but I, I think that a lot of these other options people might use for PC cards. So it might change the avenues as well until some of these guys get the value that people want to see. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about, you know, if PSA does get to $10, yeah, they're going to be full all the time. There's no yeah. way. But if they're a little bit more expensive than SGC, or a little more expensive, people will probably stay with SGC. So it's going to be about their price and about the volume they can take in and how long people wait. Because the, the other thing, I, I'm not going to get on this spiel too much, but the thing that really frustrates me in the, the grading community is that they, the lifers of PSA will hammer all these companies for these small mistakes or these different things but nobody's complaining about psa held your cards for 18 months no like yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> i mean the money that i lost at psa my i've had 15 roberts didn't get up 18 months just go to 250 down to 40 you know like that's yeah. that's kind of a big deal like how so can you just be okay how can yeah. you be okay with that so yeah. um but i digress in terms of that <laughs> opinion but i just think that People are going to try other grading companies, and I think PSA's number and how much cards they can take at once will kind of also have a ripple effect with the other companies. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you have like a big stack of cards that you're waiting for PSA to open? Like if PSA opened tomorrow, would you would you be subbing? Um, like at a, at a, like say 30 bucks a card? I guess I do have, I would say I have about probably 30 to 35 higher end cards that I know are worth subbing. Okay. And then like in terms of, you know, like a couple color parallels here and there, but I would say 
30 to 35 that I'd be interested in seeing the PSA right now. Like I have like a green Nobel Marte auto that's just been sitting, that's clean, that's right. ready to go. Yeah, um, you have to keep talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so a, cu a couple of things like that. Um, but in my mind too, I'm just not sold on like, everything doesn't have the PSA for me. So I'm going to kind of wait and see where it's at. I'm not just set going PSA. PSA. I okay. do, I would say I was pretty hard into BGS in the beginning of my collecting. And I'm kind of hard off of BGS. I almost want to sell everything I have in a BGS slab. Yeah. I just think that the other companies are doing more for people. They look, they're just more accurate. I just, yeah, to me, I just kind of, I'm kind of gravitating away from BGS altogether. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's my sense of, of the, the sentiment of it in the hobby right now. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. I think we digested, a, we put out a lot of things for people in terms of yeah. baseball cards here. and. fun. Uh, a lot of great information. I really appreciate coming on. You want to uh, plug your show where people can find your content and find you, and then we'll head out. Sure. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I do a show every Monday. It's called uh, the Flagship Baseball Card Podcast. Like I said in the beginning, it's really numbers-based. If you're a, a numbers numbers guy or girl, um, this is a, definitely a, a baseball card show that you will enjoy. Um, try to keep everything as straightforward and and as sort of unsentimental as as possible um and uh yeah i'm also on uh, twitter flagship podcast and uh that's that's pretty much everything for me thank you so much for having me on the show that was a lot of fun yeah definitely that was, that was great uh listeners and watchers of the show on youtube uh, feel free to put comments in youtube we'll get back to you and i'd love to chat or like we, like rob said follow us at our twitter handles here at numbers underscore behind and at flagship podcast we love to talk uh, baseball cards anytime. So we really Always. appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again, Rob. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you.